0: Hey everyone, and welcome to the Stay of the Art podcast with me, your host, Ethan Appleby. I'm very excited to bring you along as I dive into conversations with amazing people who are at the intersection of art and technology. Each week, you'll hear a different angle about how tech is bringing radical change in the way all of us interact with art. We have on artists to first-time collectors, as well as CEOs from some of the top digital art companies. We'll also look at the effects social media sites and crowdsourcing platforms are having on the art world and explore how other creative industries such as music and fashion were democratized using technology. So before we get started, I want to ask, did you catch our earlier episode with Patreon, the site that gets creators paid by running a membership business for their fans? Look, we liked it so much and were so inspired that we created our own Patreon page. Really, we did it for two reasons. One, it lets us connect with you, our fans and listeners. And two, it helps us continue to make great content, get on better speakers, and find creative ways to continue this conversation with art and tech. So look, you can pledge as little as a dollar and become one of our patrons. To do so, check out patreon.com slash state of the art. And now on to today's episode. In this episode, I'm excited to welcome the creative technologist at SF MOMA, Jay Malika. Jay is not your typical engineer. He grew up with a desire to use technology for social good and ended up with his dream job working at one of the top museums in the world. At SFMOMA, he has used the opportunity to redefine the intersection of art and technology in museums. Today, I talk to Jay about how a tech project he made for himself turned into an overnight phenomenon. His thoughts on how cultural institutions are adapting to a digital world and how technology should be used to support the message of artists, not hinder it. So please, allow me to welcome today's guest, Jay Malika. All right, Jay, hey, it's great to have you on the podcast. Hi, nice to meet you, Ethan. So tell us a little about yourself. You are the creative technologist at the San Francisco Museum of Modern Art. What does that mean, and what was your, your journey getting, getting to SFMOMA?
1: All right. Yeah. So I'll I'll start from the beginning. Um, So I learned to program back in high school when I was doing all this weird net art and graphic design class. And then I kind of put that down for many years. And then eventually I kind of relied on freelance web development for for a living. And then I got a job at the California Academy of Sciences, working with a bunch of researchers and scientists and also really getting into their ticketing software and eventually re... Um, helping the team redo the website for 2014. Um, and then soon after that, there was a job opening for creative technologist at SFMOMA, and it was about a year before the museum reopened. And that just seemed like my dream job. So I just jumped on it immediately, and um, that's how I ended up at SFMOMA.
0: Mo- SF that's great. So one MoMA. quick question. Were you, are you an artist? Would you consider yourself an artist? I don't think I would consider myself
1: an artist. Okay.
0: So why then was... Uh, SF Moment, your dream job. What about it excited you? So I like the idea
1: of being a technologist that with a kind of a creative imperative. And I think that there's a lot of places to go with that, especially in a museum setting.
0: Yeah. Most recently, you had created something else in the paper. It was all over the place. It was on like the late night show. And it was this, it was on the front of the New York Times, the art section of the New York Times. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was a, an app. That um, let you text a word, and you got back, uh, you know, an image. Tell us about it.
1: Yeah. So last summer we debuted this thing called "Send Me SF MoMA, where anybody in America could text the number five seven two five one with a keyword or a feeling or a color, like "send me cats" or "send me something blue," and then we would search our collection and send something back to you with that um, subject matter.
0: Yeah. Why? I mean, so. This is it's fascinating. I love the use of technology and and this idea of sort of making art more accessible. I mean, why texting? Why the word? What was the sort of what was the story behind it? So the idea
1: was um to kind of create a what we call a sideways entry point into the collection. When people are searching for art, they're mostly searching using like big famous names like Picasso or like Dali or something like that and it kind of like ends there. You'll Google Picasso and then you'll see some Picasso and that it's not as exploratory as we would like. We At the museum, we have about 35,000 pieces of artwork, and we can only show about 5% or fewer in the galleries at one time. So the idea was to, how do we open up all of these things in a very manageable, accessible way? And one of the ideas was Send Me a Ceph MoMA, where it's not an app. You don't have to install anything on your phone. It uses the familiarity of text messaging that everybody knows and everybody has that on their phone. So it's a really low barrier to entry. And then on top of that, it kind of creates a personal connection with the artwork. It's one thing at one time. It's one thing per keyword. So you know, a lot of museums are doing this great thing where they're uh, releasing their metadata about their artworks into the to the public, Mm so you'll, uh, I mean we do that too at SFMOMO through our API, where we provide all like metadata about all 35,000 artworks. And it's kind of a big thing though, just to give like a a list of 35,000 things to one person, Yeah, right? I can barely keep like three or four things in my head at one time. So like to to actually parse parse through like 35,000 things is a kind of a big ask, especially if you're not really um, technically inclined. So this was a way to, like create a personal connection while also um, asking people to explore the collection in a new way.
0: Yeah. So just for those that are listening who don't know, I mean, what what is an an API? Uh,
1: API stands for Application Programming Interface, which basically means it provides like a method for accessing data, like a reliable method for accessing data.
0: Yeah. So someone wants to build an app or something that would on top of an API, they can do that. Yeah uh okay so you created this app you it got i mean but there's more to this story right i mean did you create this knowing it was going to be the success that it was or Um, imagine that you'd be on the late you know (laughs) late night show
1: it i created it kind of almost um you know initially Mm -hmm. it was a way for just me to explore the collection whereas. Coming into SFMOMA, it was the first art museum I ever worked at, so I my knowledge of the breadth of the artists in her collection was not that great, and I was just trying to find a way to parse through these things, and I'd always be discovering new things like randomly, and so I kind of experimented around with that for a while in a lot of different ways, and then I finally landed on the text messaging thing, and I was just found it so kind of fun to do on my own that I showed it to some friends and family and coworkers, and they were like, oh wow, this is pretty fun too. And so after everybody got on board, you know, we thought we'd show it to the public and we, at that point, we were using a 10 digit phone number, which are um, kind of pretty standard and everybody's used to those. So it kind of did a pilot run with a 10 digit phone number and it took off immediately and it got so many people um, texting us for art that the carriers actually blacklisted that number because they thought we were spamming them. That's great. That's yeah. when you know you've made
0: it. It's when, <laughs> when it's so popular that you get blacklisted by the networks.
1: Yeah. So um, the carriers blacklisted us and then we kind of regrouped and we're like, um, all right, what should we do? So um, ended up adding emojis so you can kind of text an emoji and then on um, on, on top of a keyword, and then we also figured out that if you have a short code, like 57251, the carriers already know not to blacklist those because you're yeah. used for marketing purposes. And so what we were doing wasn't quite marketing, but it kind of suited that need. And so we released it to the public in mid-June um, with the short code and the emojis. And um, I think we were hoping to get about 100,000 hits, 100,000 requests. Yeah. And it...
0: In right. what, a week or a month?
1: No, over the course of the summer, we were right. hoping like, all right, it's June. If by the end of September, we have 100,000 requests, then that'll be good. That'll yeah. be like a successful experiment. Uh, we ended up getting about 4.5 million. 4.5
0: million. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a, that's a scalable, scalability issue. <laughs> yeah,
1: and the, yeah at, at our peak, we were doing about 70,000 requests an hour. Wow. And um, we, the SMS provider that we use for this is the same one that services big companies like Uber. And apparently we were doing more texting than Uber for a while. <laughs> oh, don't tell their investors
0: that. <laughs> yeah. That's, what is that, Twilio? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, so what is it, what did you, again, I just love this because this podcast is all about the intersection of art and technology and specifically how technology can make something more accessible or improve an experience. What is it that you tapped into? I mean, how, Why do you think it became so popular? Um, I think it took off for a couple of reasons. One is that it
1: provided a very egalitarian method for people to access the collection, like text messaging, very familiar, very low uh, barrier for entry. And two, I think, you know, because of what the news cycle has been like this year, people were just really excited to have kind of a, a non-political thing to, to try this out. I promise it's not political. And, um so I think people really like that, and we're not collecting anybody's phone number. We're not collecting your location or any personal information about you. So I think mm-hmm. between the generosity of that and the kind of trust that that we engendered there, people just really liked it.:
0: Who do you think is using this? I mean, I know because you're not collecting any information, you might not have like an idea, but who do you think your user is? Do you think there's someone who's going to the museum all the time? Do you think it's artists? Do you think it's sort of novice browsers that are just dipping their toe and and what do you have any idea based on maybe tweets of the effect that it's had on on them and sort of their feeling towards how it's yeah so that's
1: a great question um their response has been overwhelming and really it seems to have touched a vast breadth of of people and we've had celebrities like Neil Patrick Harris and Miranda July or talk about it on Twitter. And then we've had, you know, people say like, oh, my grandmother learned how to text so she could do this. Wow. And then we've had people like, oh, yeah, wow. my daughter and I spent 40 minutes like before she went to bed texting us last night. So oh. it's really gone to all sections of, of the country, which has been
0: really amazing to see. That that is incredible. And. You know, in my experience, seeing, you know, that giving people ways to literally kind of like dip their toe in the water and have that initial like first step and, you know, not feel almost, uh, you know, I think perhaps in a gallery or museum, just the presence of the building and all the people around can, you know, make it not such a a great place to like have their first experience or initial experience. So this texting is a great way for people, you know, to imagine like learn a lot and just like through random words, get something back, and then learn and maybe dig into that artist. Yeah,
1: that so the have. texting us will never replace the actual experience of being in SFMOMA, um, but it actually it provides a very easy entry point for people. And um, everything that you get back on Send Me SFMOMA, you can actually go find on our website, really, is you just search for the title of the artwork or the artist, and you'll be able to find it on our website and get more information there um additionally people are texting it over and over and over again it's not just you try it once it's yeah. uh, it's been pretty fascinating because yeah. they like people like to explore the boundaries and the limits of like what we actually have artwork for and one of the most popular emojis that people send us is the alien head we just don't have an alien in the collection it's just we just don't have one <laughs> so
0: so there's a lot of people when telling them about doing this interview that we're curious, what are people? Yeah,
1: like um, I think one of the most amazing things about this is that we're learning that people are texting for good things. People want good vibes. This is kind of like a good vibe machine where people are asking for happiness, friendship, family, oceans, uh, nature, and in mainly in getting back stuff like that, love. And, and And so it's been just really nice to see, you know, when when left with like, you know anonymity like humanity is still asking for like really nice peaceful things and yeah so, um, it's been so that's been a joke yeah. to watch unfold
0: any any surprising words in the not really 10?
1: the kind of neat thing that's happening though is that we it's kind of it flows along with the cultural zeitgeist where Um, when a current event happens or a season happens, then you're seeing a lot more requests for that. Like as October unfolded, we were seeing a lot more requests for like pumpkins and Halloween and skeletons and Mm -hmm. all that spooky stuff. Um, so that was interesting to see watch and it's nice to see it evolve and kind of change um, and the requests change as the seasons change.
0: I want to take a quick break to tell you more about our Patreon page. As you know, here at State of the Art, we want to build the art and tech community increase the conversation and we love bringing you guests from across the art and tech world but the thing is there's so much more we want to do we want to continue to bring you great guests we want to do live podcasts we want to increase the frequency to do that though we need your support visit our page at patreon.com slash state of the art pledge just a dollar, and you'll get access to exclusive content, behind the scenes footage, and a chance to be our super fan of the week. And let me tell you, this is pretty cool. Super fans will get a shout out on next week's episode, and a chance to show your art and tech thoughts, events, or whatever, within our social feeds. So, go to patreon.com slash art and become one of our patrons today. Now, back to the episode. I, there's another app out there from a company called Artfinder, which is sort of like an emerging artist uh, online platform gallery. And they have something where you can text an image to a bot and it comes back with a recommendation that's oh, wow. in their collection. So what I did was I would text words <laughs> from MoMA, get the piece back. Obviously, it was one that I couldn't you know, even, you know, Collect the original, and then I went to Art Finder, and I texted that, and then I got back at something that was like sometimes similar to what they had in their collection. So it was kind of fun use of technology, going from you know initial word to now something that I could purchase oh, and collect through through you know pieces that I found interesting based on like the words that I was using. Okay, now you've done a great job, I think, engaging the public, and like you said, I mean, one thing you had mentioned before we started taping was this idea that some of the, you know the pieces that you get with ones that haven't even been shown for right a right. you know, long time and so you're bringing that and people who are in West Virginia or in Florida and you know nowhere near San Francisco can can see the collection and engage with it in an interesting way
1: but for those that
0: are um within San Francisco then maybe visit San Francisco because of the be I'm uh,
1: sure to San Francisco from the happen, happen, for sure yeah <laughs> for the app,
0: they then can go and you have a, you know, an SF MoMA app, which, you know, is, is an iOS app. And so I kind of like it because now people have come to you and now you've got this experience. Just tell me about, you know, how that's different or how you, you know, what, what that is. Yeah.
1: So we does. have an official SF MoMA app you can find on the um, Apple store. Um, so the, I didn't, I wasn't a huge part of this. Um, I, I did a little bit of technical consulting on it, but its primary innovations are that it has incredibly articulate location awareness, so it knows where you are in the building all the time. And then the second thing is is that it provides this very incredible content that is more sympathetic to the user, to the, the visitor, than you might typically get from an audio tour. And the content was spearheaded by Stephanie Powell, who works in our interpretive media department.
0: And when you say uh, sympathetic... Just bringing in voices like that, that
1: you might not normally hear in an art museum.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I can I can say from you know a user, it was it was incredible because like you talked about the different voices, the people. It's not just sort of like a curator speaking to you, but the, like different parts of, of uh, people involved with the museum or different curators and different collections. So you get like that variety in voice. There's also like some like multimedia comp- uh, components where it like pulls up an image uh, on the screen based on like where you are and like you said the location. It was it just made the uh experience flow and even how you know you didn't have to type in the numbers and then like as you transitioned from like one area to the next it kind of knew based on the location so it would play like like elevator you know and it, <laughs> like, yeah, it, it helped you no know, it like yeah. it helped you transition to where like the experience it felt seamless kind of going throughout Yeah the entire, I mean as
1: a user you know, it's it's probably the the best museum map experience you can you can get right now. I might be
0: biased though because I work there. And what do you, I mean, can you, have you seen or like your personal experience using it, how it's changed, how people um, come into the museum and engage with it or based on, on what Stephanie has, has sort of talked
1: about? Um, I just, like I said, this is a little bit beyond my yeah. my my depth, uh, but, you know, it's been overwhelmingly positive and more normally, we, you know, people are just happy to have the kind of breadth of view, viewpoints that the, the app provides.
0: So you think that that's one of the big things that's unique about it Is like is the location thing and then the different sort of voices make it Yeah, less
1: institutional voices, more I like um, conversational.
0: Yeah, it is conversational. It's mm-hmm. a good way to put it. It's it's not yeah. like you're being talked to, it's almost like you're being you know, you're it's you immersive. yeah. yeah. Immersive. It's immersive. Birth. Yeah, immersive. Yeah. Yeah, I'm curious like your thoughts on on how you see technology changing, you know, the museum space or what how do you think we brought into it, or how the experience, you know, the experience will change over time? Yeah,
1: that's a great question, and something that we're always kind of asking ourselves, and it, it's ever changing as well. And um, I think the few things that, you, that we try and keep in mind as we experiment with technology is that we're not distracting from the experience, but we're enhancing the experience, or we're filling in a gap that wasn't that wasn't filled before. Um, the thing about semi of MoMA that I think made it successful was that it, um, it retained the intent of the artist and it didn't kind of like play with the, the image or kind of adulterate the, um, the artwork at all. And I think it's important to kind of serve the artist and serve the intent of the artist through technology and rather than provide a distraction.
0: What what does that mean? Tell us more. I mean, and I I agree with you, but for the audience listening, I mean, you know, yeah,
1: I mean, technology can certainly like enhance your visit, and like VR, like you mentioned, is a very big imperative for museums right now. There's a lot of exploration going around in Mm -hmm. VR. Um, Mm -hmm. VR, Me, as I'm coming from kind of a web development background, I'm interested in kind of the hyperlink and the URL as as a means of transmission, Mm -hmm. and so there's Mm -hmm. a lot of fantastic um, web VR kits out there or like A-Frame, you know, 3JS, or ARJS, even yeah. provide BR and AR yeah, experiences I mean, in the browser that you can share around with anybody in the world just through a URL.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So for the for the artists out there who might not be as tech savvy as you are. Well, what, what just what does that mean? Or can you give us an example? So is that stuff that like Apple's working on or like what would you need if it's a web-based? Do you need No, if it's web-based, all you need no, is your phone and yeah. um
1: your, a browser. Yeah. Really, you just yeah. need a browser. It could be on your phone or yeah. your or your computer and um, ARJS is actually spearheaded by the folks at Mozilla. Sure. Um, it's an entirely open source house. project and um, we're doing great work and it's very it's very easy to use and very easy to learn.
0: How how do you use it? I mean, so just for the audience, you know, is it is it like it's on your phone, you open up the browser, it opens up your yeah, camera. Yeah, I mean, so
1: if you're doing providing a VR experience, it doesn't really even need to use the camera. Um, you can just provide like a, a VR experience in in browser, um, you know, just through a URL. If you want to use an AR experience, there's a yeah. kit called ARJS out there that um, can uh, um, ask for permission to use your camera. And then we'll provide you can provide you with AR experiences mm-hmm. just right through the browser through mm-hmm. a URL. Um, certain limitations in technology don't allow that. Like, I don't know if the iPhones are allowing the browser to access the camera yet, but it is available on mm-hmm. Android.
0: Yeah. So how do you think museums will think about, I mean, do you have a sort of hypothetical experience that they might do or how they um, might I think right
1: it? now it's just a matter of exploration and seeing the, how people want to use or want to integrate VR, AR into, into their lives, what makes sense um, right okay. now they're you know still trying to figure that out, like is it going to be more like filmic or is it going to be more kind of happy, or how, how, is, how is VR and AR going, like where is it going to find its sweet spot? I, mm-hmm. I think we're still searching for mm-hmm. that.
0: One thing that's stuck out to me you talked about it, is how only 5% of the collection at SF MoMA is showing, you said that to uh, see every piece basically within MoMA, yeah. it's seven miles. Yeah. And so if that's only 5%, it's like 140 miles that one would have yeah, to exactly. walk see it all. But perhaps with VR, AR, I mean, it, you know, in ways within the museum itself, you certainly see there's see pieces there's, that aren't, you know. Actually
1: yeah, certainly normal. there's like, there's definitely ways to integrate that stuff in the VR space. It all It's all about what makes sense. Like it might not be super interesting to see a painting in VR because it's just a two-dimensional thing to mm-hmm. begin with. But uh-huh. if you could create like a 3D model of some sculptures and put those in a in a VR space, that might be more interesting um, for the public and distribute them, you know, through URLs and stuff like that. That might be an interesting thing. But it's still, you know, a very open area of exploration. Um, even the the idea of like kind of browsing a collection in VR space is almost like a little skeuomorphic, even because you're creating a space to inhabit. And then you're using it to walk around the gallery, when really, you know, distance is kind of condensed. Distance is kind of condensed um, on the phone and on the browser, where you know you don't have to walk to see these things. You can just like, you know, flip through, flip your flip your thumb or something. Yeah. Yeah. Huh?
0: Are there um, any other examples of? things that you've seen either in museums or just in the broader art world that you think of? Yeah,
1: so I think that, um, I think what's interesting is to be able to tell stories in a way that you can only do on the internet. The internet as a medium, the web as a medium, and the, the things that I'm interested in doing is, is serving the content in such a way that you can only be told, like creating stories that can only be told on the internet. And there's certain stories that make perfect sense in print. And there's certain stories that make perfect sense in other mediums. And then how do we create stories for the internet as a medium? And there's certain um, institutions that are doing that quite well. I've seen some fantastic um, kind of websites put out by MoMA. And also I really like what the Whitney Museum is doing where they've um, they've curated this Sunrise Sunset exhibition where they ask an artist, a, a net artist, or um, to create like a mini exhibition that that takes over their home page for the moment of sunrise and the moment of sunset yeah so if you go to their site then yeah, you'll so, see this cool exhibition and then it's only around for the couple moments a, a, a day but it's just a neat way that you can that the internet provides the web of the medium provides that kind of experience
0: yeah so okay as we look forward to 2018 anything that we can you know, Guys and from you guys and work. Uh, I mean, we have
1: a about. lot of stuff going on next year maybe some of it I can't talk about quite yet. but um, yeah. like I said, um, I'm sort of interested in telling stories in the way that I can only be told on the internet. and one of the ways yeah. and one of the ways we'll be interrogating that next year is I'll be leading a few workshops with some artists and technologists um, in conjunction with our other sister department Open Space. Where we'll kind of be asking, you know looking at familiar patterns of websites and web making and then asking if like they really have to be like that. Over the last twenty years, the kind of breadth of experience you get and out of the internet has has greatly narrowed, and frameworks like bootstrap have really kind of created a very uh, familiar user experience that serves mostly things like e-commerce. So what happens if we ask ourselves if the internet was, if we had to recreate the internet tomorrow, would it look the same? Or would, would menus always be like little rectangles at the top of the thing? Or So we uh, we'd like to interrogate that a little bit and just get some kind of artists and um, cre- uh, creative technologists to kind of see what they come up with. That's insane. I,
0: <laughs> I want to participate in that. <laughs> yeah. where, um, where, would, where would the listeners we'll be find? We'll be kind
1: of, um, we'll be hosting these, Workshops um, at SFMOMA over the course of the next year, and then we'll be kind of unrolling our findings on openspace.sfmoma.org.
0: Okay. Um, that's great. So, I mean, let's end on that because that's a little bit of mystery and a little bit of excitement on what's going to come up. But before I let you go, sure. can you do a quick rapid fire? Okay. I gave you the cards, <laughs> so maybe you've had some thought about it. Let's see it. Let's see. Okay. If you were a color in the crayon box, either one that exists or a new one, what would it be? In the oh, color? man,
1: that's a hard one. I mean, I mean, a blue has always been my favorite color, so probably just most of my clothes are already blue, so I would just stick with blue.
0: Stick with blue because it's what you know. Okay, what about if you were a superhero? Who would you oh, be Oh, that's a why? good
1: question. Is that, um, this might be kind of esoteric, but there's that one superhero I remember growing up called Multiple Man. He was like a, this guy if he kind of got like Hunched teeth split into two people, I think, something like that. I could really use a couple more me's around. Yeah.
0: So. <laughs> yeah.
1: Multiple, man. I think
0: we could all use that. I think, <laughs> I think we want that. Okay. Do you have a, a life motto or saying? Um, there's go just by? two things that I
1: try to remind myself um, every day is one is if somebody's doing something that you like, let them know. And then the second thing is if you're wrong about something, go back and let everybody know that you were wrong and you learned about that experience. Um, so, between those two things, it kind of keeps you on a good path. All right.
0: Well, I really like
1: what you guys are doing. Yeah, thank you.
0: And what you've done. It's, it's a great way to, to make art more accessible and, and, and bring it to a broader audience. So, for those of the listeners out there, I mean, where can they find you if they want to contact you? And where can they find your app and yeah. So, um, you
1: know, can find so. me on Twitter at twitter.com slash And you can always text us. Text seven, text SFMOMA at five seven two five one, and then you can find information about the app or anything else that SFMOMA is doing at on our website www.sfmoma.org.
0: Okay. And when we text uh, SFMOMA, what do yeah, we say? send, send me, me
1: whatever you want. Send me the ocean. Send me something blue. Send me a dog. Yeah, okay. no, of course.
0: Okay. Jay, this has been a blast. Thank you so yeah, much for having for being me on Stately Art. Thanks for listening to today's episode. You can also check out SFMOMA on Twitter at SFMOMA and at SFMOMA.org. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please rate and review it. Leaving a review is super easy and it helps listeners like you discover the podcast. Oh, yeah, and don't forget to check us out at State of the Art on Twitter for behind-the-scenes photos, a sneak peek to next week's episode, and really cool art videos you're going to want to show your friends. Until next week, this is your host, Ethan Appleby, signing off from State of the Art.